1: Well, oh, thanks very much. That was a great time of singing there. And uh, just was thinking about that one hymn that we were singing, that I will be true to thee till death, thinking about a 15-year-old young girl in Nigeria that was one of those that were kidnapped by Boko Haram in the northern part of Nigeria. And they released uh, many of them, but this one girl they wouldn't release because she is now refusing to convert to Islam. And her parents said that, you know, we'd like to have her back, but we're happy that she's standing for Christ. Bill Heaven, I found. So praise the Lord for that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for being such a great father to us, a father who loves us, a father who teaches us and cares for us and guides us. And so tonight, Lord, we pray that you would continue your teaching to us, continue your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you turn, please, in your Bible. To Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, and just follow along here as we read this really astounding history here in Genesis 22. Genesis 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off, and Abraham said unto his young man, "'Abide ye here with the ass, "'and I and the lad will go yonder and worship "'and come again to you.' "'And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering "'and laid it upon Isaac his son, "'and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, "'and they went both of them together. "'And Isaac spoke, spake unto Abraham his father "'and said, "'My father,' and he said, "'Here am I, my son.' "'And he said, "'Behold the fire and the wood, "'but where is the lamb for a burnt offering?' And Abraham said, "'My son, God will provide himself a lamb "'for a burnt offering.' "'So they went, both of them, together. "'And they came to the place which God had told them of, "'and Abraham built an altar there, "'and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, "'and laid him on the altar upon the wood. "'And Abraham stretched forth his hand, "'and took the knife to slay his son,' And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, he or it, uh, it or he shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Okay, it's a remarkable history, and you have to read the whole thing just to get the feeling of what's going on here. And you remember how in our last study, when we opened this chapter, chapter 22, immediately you can't help but be struck by these words when it says, God did tempt Abraham. When you read that, you say, what? That's what it says. God did tempt Abraham, but we saw that it all was tied up in that Hebrew word for tempt, which is the word Nasa, and Nasa really is, is, is better translated prove or tried. Why? Because the devil tempts, and he tempts with a purpose to crush and to destroy, but God tries with a purpose to crown and to build up, and that's the difference, and no one can read this history that we've just read here now without feeling the supercharge of emotion that's in here but it's interesting that scripture reports none of that emotion it's just it's that emotion and the in between the lines is left for us to fill in This is so typical of Scripture. No superlatives, no super supercharged language, which, by the way, is the key to understand why the Apocrypha is not part of Scripture, because unlike Scripture, it does contain all those superlatives and supercharged language. Yet the beauty of Scripture here really shines forth as, you're, as you read this and you feel you're, like you're being carried from event to event to event with reporting of very minute details, like Abraham saddling his, his donkey and Abraham choosing and assembling the two young men who are gonna go along with him and Abraham cutting the wood for the burnt offering. Those are very minute details, but the beauty of Scripture, and I was trying to emphasize it as I was reading there, was that the use of this simple word "and"? I mean, without any comment at all, it's "and this, and that, and this, and as that." And as we read that, we're sort of carried along, and we're made to feel like Abraham does as he's going from one step to the other on his way up to Mount Moriah. It's "and, and, and," and in verse one, you know, we saw this: "And it came to pass, and said unto him." And then, and, in verse two, and he said, and he, get thee into the land. And Abraham rose up and saddled his ass and took two of the men and Isaac and clave the wood and so forth. And so all of those ands, they just make us to feel like we're right there. And all of those ands with no commentary, that's what allows the Holy Spirit to reveal the grand reality behind this history the reality, the grand reality is is that God the Father is giving God the Son as a sacrifice. And this is all illustrated by this history. It's just like the hymn it says, it says, break thou the bread of life, O dear Lord, to me, as thou didst break the bread beside the sea. And then this phrase, beyond the sacred page, I seek thee, Lord, my spirit pants for thee oh, living word. What a description. That little, that little part, last part of that hymn. What a description of this history. Beyond the sacred page, I seek thee, Lord, my spirit pants for thee. Beyond Abraham, I see God the Father. Beyond Isaac, I see the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we see him, when we see that, what happens? Our spirit pants for God. We're coming from Hebron here. Abraham has come from Hebron here he's going to Moriah, that's about a distance of about 45 miles. And so riding on a donkey, they were obviously making about 15 miles a day, pretty slow pace. I mean, you know, you're riding on a donkey. So, but during that time, it's very important there when it says in verse four, on the third day, because it tells us it took three days. And it's very important just to kind of sit and think a little bit about that, that that gave Abraham those three days plenty of time to reconsider and, and reconsider and say, no, 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 no. Am I out of my mind? I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna sacrifice my son. He never did that during those three days, but God gave him that three-day period for him to really think about it. And Abraham had a lot of, obviously, terrible, horrible thoughts that he had to fight against as he was going down there, and he didn't tell Sarah where he was going and what he was gonna do, but he, maybe he's thinking in his mind, well, what about Sarah? What was it going to be like when I come back with blood on my clothes and have to explain to her, yes, that's the blood of Isaac, our son. I mean, how's that going to go? Those were the hardest three days in Abraham's life. He had to fight off these thoughts that would come to him, like that thought, and like the thought of, well, what kind of reputation am I going to have here? A murderer? Being a Murderer? And he's fighting off all these things and the strong plays that are taking place on his heart string. And he's thinking all the while, as we were pointing out last week, about his love and his affection for his son Isaac. And the whole point of those words in verse 4 on the third day is that Abraham didn't turn back as hard as it was. And the hardness of those three days, it's showing us and it's teaching us, it was hard for God the Father to give up the Lord Jesus Christ to be our lamb, our Passover lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the, the sin of the world. And you can imagine during those three days how much Abraham thought about Isaac and how much he loved him with all the, the good night sun and so forth and so on. And the love that's there between Abraham and Isaac comes out so clearly, just like the love of God the Father for the Lord Jesus Christ. When he spoke, God the Father spoke out of the clouds in matthew three seventeen matthew three seventeen where it says, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, 'This is my beloved son, hear ye him, and then those three days they teach us of god 's feeling, as it says in romans eight thirty two romans eight thirty two he that spared not his own son that 's God the Father, not sparing his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, but delivered him up for us all. This makes us. This gives us the real passion behind John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, let's put a parenthesis there. And it hurt God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and that hurt. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but having, but have everlasting life. So we know how much Abraham loved Isaac. And these three days, we're made to feel that pain that pain that the Lord Jesus talked about when he said in John 3.35, John 3.35, the Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. So this is the goal of Scripture in this passage. It's to make us enter into the other reality here of God the Father giving his Son. And especially these three days is to make us enter enter into this sorrow of Abraham as he's moving slowly toward toward Mount Moriah where he's going to sacrifice his son. I mean feeling this is so important. You know, I have an Iranian friend in prayer meeting Wednesday, he was saying, you know, we there's a great phrase. In Farsi, you know, which I'm not fluent in, by the way, but anyway, he says, empathy, it's horsa hordan. And he said, what it means is, horsa is sorrow, hordan is eat. It means that when you want to empathize you what you say in Iran, when you say in Farsi, you say, I ate his sorrow. In other words, you really felt it. And that's what God wants to do as we're reading this passage here, to eat the sorrow of Abraham and to realize that Abraham didn't turn back during those three days, even though he couldn't figure it out. Because God had told Abraham in the chapter before, in in Genesis 21, 12, in Genesis 21, 12, God had told Abraham, Abraham, it's in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So Abraham understood that out of Isaac, Abraham's great seed is gonna be called and it all all the promises that God gave to Abraham, they're all gonna stem out of Isaac. And if you ask Abraham, how can your seed be, be called out of Isaac if you kill him and you burn him up Abraham, how can Isaac have children and grow into a great nation if you, if you kill him and you burn him up? Abraham, don't you know a pile of ashes doesn't have children? What are you doing, Abraham? And still Abraham marches on for these three days, and he would have told us, he would have told us at that time, point, he would have said, you know, I can't honestly tell you, I don't know the answers to those questions. I mean, all I know is that the same God who made those promises to me about Isaac is the one that I have supreme loyalty to, like we were just saying about, and he's asked me to sacrifice Isaac. I trust, I just trust. I can't trace, but I trust where I can't trace. I just trust and obey he would say, look, my part is just to, just to obey. God's part is to provide. God will do the providing. I'll do the, the, the obeying. And so we, we ask Abraham, we say, Abraham, why do you keep walking? You keep walking for these three days. Why don't you turn back during these three days? Why are you going to do that? And you remember the, the, um, what I told you happened to me in Nairobi Airport with that lady. And I kept asking her, you know, why are you going to Sudan? Why are you going to Sudan? Your kids are going to get killed there. And she turned and she said, because God asked me to. And that's what Abraham would have said to us. Why are you doing this, Abraham? He just would say, because God asked me to. And those were the longest three days that Abraham ever had in his life. And it was the time when Abraham had to stand firm against the doubts that came into his mind. Like, am I really sure that God called me to sacrifice my son? Let me think about this. God called the, the Abraham that one time and commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son. And then he leaves him alone for three days. It was not like God had, had come to Abraham and said, okay, here, Abraham, uh, you know, uh, Abraham, j- just put on this, um, just put this on here, just put this spiritual headset on, okay? All right, like that, Abraham. And I tell you what, Abraham, you be the pilot, and I'll be the control tower, and you have these spiritual headsets on, and, and I'm gonna speak to you all the way we're gonna bring this plane down together. Here we go, Abraham. And, and there was no spiritual headset for Abraham, it was not as though Abraham had the spiritual headset on and, and with every step, God is continually speaking to him. He said, you're doing fine, Abraham. One foot against the other, just going the other. Doing great, just, not a little, just a little bit farther, just a, you know, over that hill, just another, just another hour, Abraham. Keep going, keep going. He, he didn't have any spiritual headsets like this. Not at all. That's not what happened. God spoke to Abraham one time and then left Abraham alone. No spiritual headsets. From that point on, he left him alone. Abraham was the pilot and God was the control tower. And God's last word to Abraham was, bring the plane in alone. And I'll see you on the ground in Mount Moriah there. And so for these three days, Abraham's alone. And he's journeying alone without God speaking to him. And this was the trial for Abraham. And this was Abraham having to fight off all the doubts and without the spiritual headsets on. Doubts of, am I really sure that God's called me to sacrifice. Maybe it really didn't happen. Maybe after all, I can't see God. I don't hear God right now. Maybe he really didn't call me. Isn't that the way it is in our lives? Isn't that what happened to us when we were saved? When we were saved, it was so wonderful. It was so glorious. It was just like the hymn says, heaven came down and glory filled our soul. And when we were saved, we really knew God was there. God was so real to us now I've been saved for a while and God doesn't seem to be there and God doesn't seem to be so real for me. And what do I do now? I remember my best friend at that time, Mike Johnson, he told me in 1970, just after I was saved, he told me that he had been saved. He was a Filipino. He, he is a Filipino. He said that he had been saved under the ministry of CFM, Christ for Greater Manila. And then Mike then joined the US Navy and, he, and then he started to have doubts. And doubts like, am I really saved? I mean, I don't feel saved. I mean, God doesn't seem real to me like he did before. Maybe I really didn't have an encounter with God. And for Mike, that was like those three days of Abraham marching on his way there to Mount Moriah. And then in the ship that Mike was on in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, Mike resolved, look, I'm going to resolve this once and for all. He says, I'm going to keep reading my Bible and keep praying to God regardless of how I feel. And then later on, that was back in the 60s. And then later on, Mike would teach a Bible study at the San Diego City College. And that's where I met Mike as a student there. And I met him just one week after I was saved and he became my best friend. But just as Mike resolved at that time, I'm gonna keep reading my Bible. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna keep praying through this dry time. Abraham decided to just keep moving toward Mount Moriah, even though this was the most three difficult days of his life, he's all alone. And we read then he finally gets there in verse four. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now, when we read this, that Abraham lifted up his eyes, we can see that Abraham's probably walking like this, you know, with his head down, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, he lifts up, he looks up, he lifts up his eyes. And he came, he had come into this region of Moriah. And with every step, he's wondering, is this a spot? Is this it here? Is it here? Where is it? I don't know. And just as he lifts up his eyes from that trail, in the distance, he sees a small mountain. And that was the place. It was far away. How did he know? How did he know that was the place? I don't know. You have to ask Abraham. Maybe it was Shekinah glory. Maybe the Shekinah glory was there on the mountain. Maybe God just, you know, came back in, said, Abraham, that's it. That's the place. That's the place. But however Abraham knew, Abraham knew. He knew that he had reached the place for the sacrifice. That was Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah, the same place where the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, within sight of the temple, within sight of the city walls, the Jerusalem city walls, where that was it. It's inside of the temple, the temple where the animal sacrifices were killed. That's the same place. So God reveals to Abraham, this is the place where you're to sacrifice Isaac, and God is revealing to Abraham the place where the Lord Jesus is going to die. And that's what I believe, that's what the Lord Jesus be referring to, in John 8, 56, in John eight fifty six, when he said, when the Lord Jesus said to the Jewish people, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. We don't know exactly what Abraham saw when the Lord Jesus said to Abraham that he's gonna see his day, but whatever he saw, he rejoiced, and it may be, it may be that Abraham was given the, the revelation like John to look into the future and to see that day when the Lord Jesus is going to die as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world, maybe he was allowed to see that in a vision that's going to happen in that same Mount Moriah. It's just interesting that God reveals Mount Moriah as the place of sacrifice in this verse. He's revealing to Abraham where the Lord Jesus is going to die in Bible here. God is revealing the place of his death, the Lord Jesus' death, before he reveals the place of his birth. Why? The chapter in Isaiah seven fourteen. Why? Because, I mean, it's not as for 740. Anyway, it's somewhere in the Bible. You have to find it. So because the death of the Lord Jesus is more important, it's a paramount importance. So Abraham lifts up his eyes and he sees the place afar off. Now let's put ourselves in Abraham's shoes here. Let's put ourselves in Abraham's place. Just at that moment when he lifts up his eyes and he sees the place, that's it. I mean, did Abraham sigh at that point? Did Abraham stiffen up his lips? You know, as for those three days, he's been knowing what no one else knew. Remember last week, we saw the video of, of President Bush when he found out, and he, he was the only one new there, in that room apart from the person. Anyway, is this what happened? That he knows that he, he's gonna go to one of those mountains that God's gonna tell, of him, tell him about so he can sacrifice his son? I mean, Abraham is sure that God spoke to him to go to Moriah, go to sacrifice his son on one of the mountains. He knew that. And when Abraham set off on that 45-mile three-day trip, You think that maybe Abraham had any doubts? God, God, maybe God's not gonna show me the mountain. Maybe I'm not gonna see the mountain. Abraham thought during those four days that that during this time, this is a storm. We can't imagine the storm of distress that's going on inside of his mind. And Abraham has to continually, quickly dismiss one thought after after the other, and he lifts up his eyes. He sees the mountain, and he knows that's it. And in verse 4, you think that maybe he might have, when he saw the mountain, he might have turned to Isaac, and you know what Isaac's name means? It means laughter. And you think he might have looked at, we say Isaac, Yitzhak, but it means laughter. You think he might have looked and he said, well, here's laughter.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box seven one one three P.O. Box seven one one three three zero 330 Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071.
2: Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cancer, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com Get into the Christmas spirit this year with the Friendship with God Christmas album and hymnal book. With over 50 different arrangements on holiday classics, this four disc set features solo vocalists, group ensembles, and classical piano tracks, and is perfect for road trips, family get togethers, and holiday parties. In addition to the audio CDs, you'll also receive a copy of the largest hymnal ever published. Containing over a thousand hymns and melodies, this hardbound hymnal book and CD set make for a great gift this holiday season. Order this Christmas bundle today for just $29.99 online at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.